Welcome to First Turn, where we play board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like book club, but for board games. I'm Kiwi, and with me is a BP. Hi. And Paxton. Hi. Uh, this week, we are playing Nine Tiles Panic, uh, designed by Jens Merkel and Jean-Claude Pellin. The artist is Hiroko Itsumida and Jun Sasaki, who uh, also did A Fake Artist Goes to New York. It's developed by Ri Komatsu Suzaki and Soto Hatano. It was published in 2019 by Oink Games. The description is, one day, out of the blue, a bunch of hamburger-loving aliens descended upon Earth. In order to catch the aliens, the Alien Countermeasures Bureau sent out some of their agents. Now the town is a mess full of agents and aliens chasing hamburgers. Race to create your town to the best of your ability as the conditions keep changing. Just completing the town is easy enough, but quickly satisfying all the conditions is enough to make your brain go crazy. From kids to adults, Nine Tile Panic is a speedy and exciting puzzle game for everyone. The mechanics are pattern building and tile placement. And the box art, so I would call that like a PowerPoint-esque clip art, but last time I did that, Eric was like, no, it's geometric or something like that. I'm not sure. Yeah, I agree with that PowerPoint clip art. No, it looks like um, a lot of the little things you'd get in Japan, like, you know, little, um, you know, kids silverware. So, I mean, it is, I don't, I don't think it's very cut out PowerPointy. I think it is very cute little animated cartoon figures of a girl, it looks like, because it looks like a skirt, uh, someone, a boy, mm-hmm. and maybe that's the agent, because it looks kind of like a police officer, yep. and then a house, and a dog. Who looks like a pug. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I think if you didn't tell me that Oink Games was Japanese, and there wasn't uh, Japanese writing on it, when I it saw would this, still look Japanese. yeah, it would still look very Japanese. That's what I think. And Paxton. the description sounds absolutely ridiculous, which reminds yes. me of Paxton. Yeah. Uh, so, Paxton, would you pull this off a shelf? Maybe. Okay, what what would make you pull it off the shelf? The name doesn't sound very exciting, so I probably wouldn't. Okay. Yeah, that's fair enough. BP. Although the no. description did sound ridiculous. Yeah, the description was epic. Yeah. I think the big thing, though, is, is like... If you wouldn't pick up the box because right, of the then art, how would then you, you know would never the get. To, yeah, you would never get to the description. Yeah, no. I mean, I think it is. It is. I think the pink color would jump out at you because it is a very um, bright pink. And then once you looked at the cute little drawing on it, I just I feel like that for me would then be like, well, then what is this about? Because it looks very Japanese, and yeah, Japanese it, culture is kind of. Interesting. Yeah, I, I obviously we uh, mm. we have it. Um, I got it as part of like getting some of the other Oink games. That I think the thing that draws me to it is just like the super small size. Mm-hmm. Um, because and like that's a very Japanese thing to do because it, you know they don't really waste space because depending on where you are in Japan, your home can be uh, quite small. Um, it's an island. Yeah. Space is at a premium. Exactly. So like everything is designed to like not take up space. Like the organizers there. So, mm-hmm. so like 
I, one of the things that annoys me the most about is board games that come in these gigantic boxes and it's like all air. Yeah. It's super annoying. And, and Oink Games does a really great job of they pack as much as they can into the smallest box they possibly can. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, I would be drawn to, oh, look, look at this. And then it's Oink Games, which we've enjoyed other games that we've played mm-hmm. from, from yeah. them. So how do you guys think it's played? Well, you said something about pattern building, tile placement. We're building a town. Puzzle game. Uh, yeah, a puzzle game. So we want to be able to place our tiles in such a way that... <laughs> That obviously the aliens do not get our hamburgers. Okay. But what if we are the aliens and we want them to get our hamburgers? Or we want to get the hamburgers? The existential question. What if we are the aliens? Or uh, like in the one Marvel show right now, what if you are a robot and you walk through the machine? Exactly. Well, speaking of aliens and hamburgers, BP, the history of aliens stealing hamburgers. Um, Yeah. So I feel like we've talked about the history of human fascination. We could say earthling fascination with aliens in the past. So we're not going to go there. Um, But the history of the hamburger is, while it's less controversial of a sandwich than, say, the hot dog, there is still some debate amongst people if a hamburger is a sandwich. But... What? Yes. I know. We're not going to get into it. We're not going to get into it. It's a whole other podcast. It's a whole other podcast. It's a whole. It's a whole thing. Um, And the thing with the hamburger is that... Um, from its very kind of ubiquitous beginnings, because, of course, everybody wants to claim that they have the invention of the hamburger, because, of course, it is, interestingly enough, it's probably one of the best-known American foods, even though most of the origin stories, of course, say it comes from Germany, most likely is associated with people from Hamburg, hence the hamburger. Because, uh, so I think as early as the late 18th century, the 1780s, there was a recipe found for what sounds like a uh, sausage-like product. So the ground meat previously didn't necessarily have to be of beef base. Um, it probably was, though, just knowing, right, the products coming out of Germany and what livestock they may have had. So could have been beef or pork, but either way, it was actually uh, the framing of the terminology was a sausage, but suggested to be served um, in a almost sounding like a bun of a toasted warm bun kind of roll product, which actually makes it sound a lot more like a hot dog than a hamburger. But Mm. we're not going to get into that. Um, Very quickly afterwards, by the 19th century, there were all kinds of things that were uh, bread rolls with warm with some kind of meat product in between. Um, By the time uh, German immigrants were, I mean, many immigrants were hitting, especially the eastern shores of America in the late 19th century, many Germans among them. Um, There are, of course, the rumors that many of those from Germany and especially from the Hamburg area were having some sort of ground beef-like product or beef steak product served between uh, two slices of bread so that while they were waiting in line, um, they would have this. And so, um, again, so probably about the mid-19th to late-19th centuries. And from that point forward, then it was who would become the actual inventor of the said 
hamburger and having a supposedly a special bun, right? Made for it with all types of products that now go um, wait, on it. Of wait, course. Wait, wait, wait. We'll call it a hamburger bun. <laughs> right? I know. <laughs> ah, ah, we'll make millions, Paxton. Millions, I tell you. <laughs> So by, again, there's multiple um, American, American immigrants uh, in the uh, late, again, like the 1880s, 1890s, and early 1900s, like the first decade of the 1900s, where there are claims all across um, pretty much mostly middle America, but also part of the eastern shorebird. But again, kind of more northeastern and middle America, where many immigrants were going because of the industries that were uh, starting to pick up during that time in American history. So there you go. Um, hamburger is very much an integral part of America and its immigrant heritage and uh, being able to, just like with any type of sandwich, uh, be able to hold some type of product between uh, between some bread so you can hold it very easily for eating purposes. All right, so in this game, players will move and turn over their nine tiles according to the different themed cards. The player whose town best matches the theme earns more points. After playing for several rounds, the player that earned the most points is the winner. Each player has a set of nine tiles of the same matching road color. Play is simultaneous, so there is no first player. However, one player is designated to provide the starting signal. Three theme cards are drawn and flipped, and they will set the conditions for a complete town. Players then shuffle up the tiles in their hands before the designated player gives the signal, which the rulebook says is ready, go. All right, so at the start signal, players will build their towns. Cards can be flipped and rotated, and by cards, they mean tiles. Uh, much As much as required to complete uh, your town following the theme cards with three additional conditions. All nine tiles must be arranged in a three-by-three three grid. Roads must be connected to adjacent tiles, so you can't have just a road butting up against the side oh, of an, another adjacent tile. And roads must lead out of town. Uh, so they must go to one of the edges of your three by you can't three just grid. Have a big circle. Correct. So you can't have you cannot have a circuitous road in your town. Okay. All right. The first player to complete complete their town grabs the order marker with the one on it and flips the timer. The other players then have the remaining time to finish their town, grabbing the next lowest order marker as they finish. The round ends when either the last order marker is taken or the timer runs out. Points are then calculated. For each theme card, compare each player's city and whoever matches it best, ties go to the player with the lowest order marker, will receive points equal to the player count. So in our case, three points. Each subsequent player will receive one less point. So in our game, the person who won the theme or did the best will get three, second place will get two, third place will get one. Any player that did not satisfy the conditions of the town, so meaning it's not in a three by three grid, all the roads lead out of town, all the roads are connected, um, you don't get any points. So your town has to be complete. It doesn't have to match the themes, but it has to follow those placement rules. Uh, the game ends when a player has received the points required to win, which is dictated by a player count. And for a three player game, it will be 15 and it's marked on the little uh, scorecard there. Um, and if there is a tie, the player with the lowest order marker in the last round is the winner. And those are all the rules. 
Let's play. We just finished a game of Nine Tiles Panic. There was much panicking in our, we played uh, two games of it. In our first game, uh, Paxton had four panic points. Uh, BP had seven alien points. And Kiwi, I won with 16 alien points. Why do uh, we have alien points and he has panic points? I don't know. I feel like Paxton did the most amount of panicking in I that first one. I did the most amount of panicking. I feel uh, like he should have had agent points then since you won okay. so incredibly much. All right. So let me go back then and say it again. In our first game, uh, Paxton had four panic points. BP had seven alien points. And I had 16 agent points. Uh, to win the game. In our second game, uh, there was slightly less panicking, and Paxton had 10 puppy points. Puppy points. Uh, BP had 11... uh, Hamburger points? Hamburger points. Yeah, that's great. And uh, I won with 15 uh, UFO points. Okay. I had had some UFOs in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, uh, Kiwi, what was your running strategy? Oh, Kiwi, I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) Um... I tried to not panic, uh-huh. uh huh, and I just uh, tried to build to the themes. Okay. Yeah. Great. Uh, That's how you win. Yep. BP. What was your strategy? I think Paxton and I very much had the same strategy, okay. and that was to be able to complete the puzzle. I just want to make my roads. Yeah. <laughs> have them all work out. Right. Yeah. Cha- if I get any challenges, cool. I'm not trying to get them. Which I which I feel like is a great place to start. Mm-hmm. I feel like as you, if you played it more, you would get to the point where you could do Possibly. Both. Yeah, possibly. I would like my town to work out. Thanks. Yep. And, an interesting point. Uh, Jeff Engelstein in one of his Ludology talks about, you know, sometimes if you aren't winning a game or you make an assumption that you can't win, sometimes you can still find fun in it by setting your own goals. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, stuff like, you know, I won't win this game, but I am going like, before this game ends, I am going to do X. And then you still feel like you've accomplished something. So I feel like that's what you and Paxton did, which is like, I am going to do X. And in this case, X was have a complete city. Yeah. And it within the time slot. And then I think we did maybe start to do that. And we both kind of wanted to be the first one to do it, right? Because when you are not the first one to do it, then the pressure really starts to mount. And there is a little bit of strategy in there. Because even if you accidentally do some of the themes, if <clears throat> if you tie with people, it's going to be based off that order Mm -hmm. So you could still end up garnering a bunch of points and not even, you know, accomplish some of the themes, Mm -hmm. which is nice. So theme, Uh, Paxton, did you feel like you were building a crazy town uh, full of aliens, agents and hamburgers? Yes. BP? I mean, I feel like we were definitely trying to put streets together and therefore some sort of town. Um. I think because Paxton and I were not necessarily playing to the theme cards, which were to get like X amount of so many things in a row or whatever. I feel like that just kind of fell through. But yeah, I think that's just because we were at the basic level of just trying to get a town that matched the criteria. Yeah, I feel like it probably could have been any theme that they could have built a pattern on and it really didn't matter. I felt more like we were building a city with putting all the roads together than mm-hmm. I was trying to like, you know, whatever the theme was with hamburgers and aliens and 
yeah. think those were just the patterns, but you could have made it anything. Could have been sea life, could have been a coral reef, could have been... Well, it's like yeah. the one game we played at the board game cafe, but way less confusing, where you had to have the pillars and... Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Tokyo, uh, Highway. Tokyo Highway. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think there was a small dexterity aspect to this because you're moving around, mm-hmm. but nowhere close to where Tokyo Highway was with tweezers and the cars and trying to balance roads on pillars and stuff. Okay. Yeah. yeah, like I feel like sometimes with the Japanese games, it may be that, you know, especially with something like this, the theme may not be as relevant as almost the mechanics and what's going on. Yeah, I feel like theme-wise, Tokyo Highway definitely seems slightly more thematic than right, right, Crash right, Octopus right. And, and this game. But I think you're right. I feel like the focus so far of what we've seen from the games that we've played coming out of Japan are it's very mechanics-focused mm-hmm. uh, and making sure that there's a solid game. And I feel like, I mean, we'll get there. Yeah, uh, I, but then the theme, I mean, just telling people that you're going to have agents tracing aliens who are chasing hamburgers just makes it sound ridiculous so that, like, you're just like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It sounds ridiculous. I would want to play that. It <laughs> sounds ridiculous. Exactly. Yeah. So table presence. What did you guys, if you guys saw somebody playing this on a on a table somewhere, would you stop to see what they were doing? No. Oh, I mostly because I don't stop to see what board games. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I totally would, especially like because like there the, the panic sometimes comes out vocally. The last round where I was like, "This goes with this," and the way which one? Yeah, like I, I feel like you 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 by that time almost had like an audience. He was like, "I know I was sitting there like watching, just like rooting for you, like really wanting you to complete your road and complete it in the time frame." Like, um, and I know we keep doing this comparison to Tokyo Highway, which I I don't know if it's by the same group it's at not. all, but. Um, we did play it recently, and so it's it's an equivalent for us. And I just I remember being in the board game cafe, and people were just watching us because it was one of those ones where we got very into it, and so there was a, we were getting you know vocal about it and getting up to have to do things, and so I feel like with this, while maybe we didn't have to get up as much. I mean, you're you're moving around, you're flipping, you're the panic does come out vocally enough that I feel like people would. And I think the car, the tiles, uh, once you do have them displayed, are pretty cute. So, yeah, I agree, and I think that's something that we talked about with Crash Octopus too. Where I think if you saw somebody like getting up to get to the other side of it, you know, Tokyo Highway, where you were getting up to like mm-hmm. put your you know, your road pieces. And I feel like this is the same thing. There's, there's so much movement that it might not be what's on the table that catches your eye at first. It's going to be like all the movement and mm-hmm. all the talk. And, and yeah, that round where it was just Paxton and he was up against the timer and he was like flipping over things. He's like, that's not the quarter piece. That's not the quarter piece. I need the quarter piece. And then he got it with like maybe a, like a second or two. Oh, yeah. left. Like it, it was great. Like, it was, there's it was the corner so, piece. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. I, I would definitely stop to see if like people are, yeah. What, what people are doing. People were watching us when we were playing Tokyo highway. Yeah. You weren't, you weren't looking, you, your back was to most of the, the crowd yeah. in there, but there were people every now and again, looking over to, especially when BP got up that one time yeah. to build on the other side of the table. Uh, or any time my road fell. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, mechanics wise, I, I felt like we did do a couple practice rounds, which I think might be smart. Like if you're teaching this game, mm-hmm. and, uh, just because I, I feel like with some of the stuff, you know, the games that we've played that have come from other countries where maybe the, you know, there's a little bit lost in translation, perhaps. Um, I feel like sometimes, you know, the, the rules can be a little bit harder to read. So going through practices, uh, might be helpful. Um, but I felt like mechanically, uh, it was pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt like it worked. And, and that's what I was going to comment before is I felt like, you know, the three games that we've played so far from Japanese publishers have been very mechanics focused. And I felt like those mechanics were pretty solid and they worked mm-hmm. really well together. No, I do. I agree. And I think the practice round was really helpful. Just again, I mean, and again, because Paxton and I then did focus on really getting just the way you have to place the nine tile. So it's not just like other pattern building games almost where there's a little bit more forgiveness because there's like a time crunch on top of it. And you have to be very specific about how things align. Um, the practice round is just forgiving to get people, uh, being able to recognize those patterns and to recognize when they have them correct so that you don't have a lot of false alarms, like launching into an actual like scoring game. So, yeah, I think if I was going to teach this again, and this kind of goes into the rules thing that the rules are very short, there's not a whole lot of them. It, it's pretty well out. There are good examples in the, the rule book. I did watch the video on the Oink games just because it was so fun when we mm-hmm. played um, Deep Sea Adventure that I wanted to watch that one too. Um, I think if I was going to teach this again, I would do two practice rounds. The first practice round I would do with no timer and just let everybody build their city Mm. and then score it just so they could see scoring, but there's no panic. It's just build your Mm -hmm. city. And then I think the second practice round, because they're so quick, Mm -hmm. the second practice round, I would put in the timer and be like, okay, this is what an actual round will be like. And then set everything and play the game. Cause I mean, we played a practice round and then two games and I felt like it went pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Those two games. So yeah. I, I think if I taught it in the future, that's what, how I would teach it. How, how was picking it up for you guys? I mean, yeah, the practice round, I was like, okay, this is pretty straightforward. And it was the panic that kind of, yeah, the panic set in. I panicked a lot, <laughs> a lot of panic. Uh, BP. Yeah, and I again, I just like I said before, the practice round was very helpful because again, um, just to make sure like you're getting all the roads aligned and you're recognizing those patterns, and so you like, I mean, it would be great without the timer, so you can sit and think and organize. Like for some people who aren't maybe like as quick with, with the visual placement. Um, but I think and the rules, but also going back to the mechanics is as we were going through it. And again, I feel like Paxton's last round really helped uh, bring those mechanics. It wasn't just the pattern building piece, but also that that memorization. Right. So at the beginning, when the first couple of rounds, I was like, oh, this is like one of those little like slide puzzles, yep. you know, you have that you always annoyed you because you could never actually fix them and put them back in place. Um, but by the end, 
you are trying to remember, okay, yes, this is on the bottom side of that. So I want to like move these around. And I think after, you know, a few playthroughs, like we're going to be more along the lines of Kiwi and be able to build to the themes. But right now, Paxton and I, at least, you know, with the five minutes or whatever it took us to play, are at that point where we're recognizing the patterns, we're able to create the tiles, and we're starting to remember what's on the flip side so we can get there faster. Yeah, I think this is one of those games that definitely... It, you get better with more plays because you recognize what's where, mm-hmm. and so you have a better idea of where you want to put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, player interaction. So I think this is an interesting one. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start it because I, I think play-wise, you don't interact, right? Mm-hmm. There's no way for me to affect your cities. I think the interaction that comes with this game is just like BP was saying. Like It came down to just Paxton finishing his city, and we were super into... Paxton finishing his city and it was very exciting. And so that player interaction comes with that, the table talk and the, you know, getting excited for other people as they're trying to build their city and the timers running out. I think that's where your player interaction comes from. So I will say, so it's, it's indirect interaction, Mm -hmm. but I'm teetering on like kind of, it's not solitaire. I feel like minimal at worst, Maybe a little bit more than that, just because of that interaction that the game kind of. Yeah, and that could be, again, and it could be, uh, again, your game group. Uh, We definitely tend to be much more supportive of people um, than competitive. True. Um, Except that we. I know. The kid kid is is giving us looks because we are pretty competitive in the house. Speaking, though, of rolling eyes, like every time, like Kiwi would do the scoring, like the kid and I would be like, whatever. Like, yeah, (laughs) whatever. We completed our things and we were high fiving. So, yeah. We did our city if we got challenges. Cool, but we did our city. Let's go. So, uh, we're cooperative, competitive family. Yeah. Cooperatively competitive. Yes. Competitively cooperative. A co-op-petitive. A co-op-petitive. Co-op-petitive family. Um, So the question that uh, we talk about every podcast, BP, would you play it again? Absolutely. Okay. Paxton. Yeah, Yeah, you would play it again? Yeah. So even though you wouldn't pick it up, you would play it again? I mean, I said I would maybe pick it up. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I would definitely play it again. I think it's fun. Um... It's super fast. And I want to go back, actually, uh, what I wanted to also add to this question was, if you go back to uh, the closing line of the rule summary that you did, could you go back and read that uh, yes. for us, please? Um, if there is a tie, the player with the lowest order marker in the last round is the winner. That one? No, the one with the kids of any age. When we talked about goats. Oh. Um, oh, it's in the description. It's in the description. From kids to adults, Nine Tiles Panic is a speedy, inciting puzzle game for everyone. Yes. That's my synopsis. That's your synopsis. So, uh, uh, young goats and parents or adults. Hey, Google, where can I get a baby goat? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, I would definitely play it again. I'm actually, um, if Gen Con still goes Uh uh, and we travel, I kind of want to bring this because I know how how Eric is with um, pattern building tile placement games. Uh, So, I'd be curious to see how... Uh, he interacted with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kate might be there with us and we could have... Yes, we have a big four-player panic. Because uh, it, it looks like it goes up to five? It goes up to five, yep. There's a, we played with pink, blue, and green, and there's also yellow and orange. I'm curious to see how he 
uh, interacts with it and see what he thinks. Um, yeah, and going back to the sites, it's a perfect travel game. Yes. The rules, it looks like it's one of those little fold-out little pamphlets. So, uh, again, kids, adults, baby goats, but not cats. Yeah, not nope, cats. No cats. Nope. No. I mean, there are dogs and aliens. Maybe the cats, I don't know if they're super into hamburger either. I mean, I don't know. I mean, if it was fish. If it was a fish burger. Well, I mean, if it was just fish in general. Sure. And that was Nine Tiles Panic! There was a lot of that. There was a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, So if you have any recommendations of games you would like to hear our impressions on, just send them our way. Our email is firstturntabletop at Gmail. Twitter and Instagram, we are at First Turncast. And the podcasting camel, he is running after those hamburgers uh, despite the UFO above his head. And as he's loping along, he says, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcatchers. We look forward to hearing from you. Play more games. Uh-huh.